Welcome to Special Needs Navigators ABCs of Disability Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm glad you're here. My name is Eric Jorgensen. I created this podcast to help parents navigate the maze of benefits, resources, and services. I'm on this journey with you. My son is on the spectrum. I was widowed in 2012, and I beat cancer in 2020. I get that life throws us curveballs. Every week, my guests and I do a deep dive into things our families may come across. I don't spend too much time focusing on a specific disability. My intent is to help as many families as possible. You may already be familiar with some of these topics, others not so much. My goal is to increase awareness of and provide context around what's available, when to use it, and if applicable, how to apply it. Let's dive in. Today, I have with me Jason Ray, the president of Simply Home. Simply Home is a resource and potentially a service that I think many families out there and organizations would really benefit from getting to know better. They use technology to supplement and in some cases replace in, you know, individual caregivers in the home, really increasing that level of independence that an individual perceives. You know, oftentimes when you have a, a full-time caregiver in the house with you, it can feel like you're not truly independent, but you, you can, to maintain that same level of safety through technology, it gives the illusion, for lack of a better term, that you are as independent as you possibly could be, or maybe you were before you got older and weren't able to maintain that independence. And that's why I brought Simply Home and Jason here to talk with me today. What we're going to talk about is I'm going to allow Jason to give an introduction about himself, how he's connected with Simply Home, his visions as the president of the company. Then we're going to turn into more information about Simply Home, how it works, what are some case examples, you know, real life examples to help you get to thinking, how could you use it? It's not all, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars of technology. There's oftentimes, from what I understand, surfing their website and looking into it, some less expensive ways to really have some game-changing improvements using technology. So with that being said, welcome, Jason. Thank you for making the time today. Well, thank you, Eric. Appreciate you giving us the invitation. It's an honor to be here. And it sounds like you could work for us. Uh, You've got our, uh, our story down really well. So Appreciate the introduction. Awesome. Well, thank you. And would you mind sharing with the audience, how are you connected to Simply? I mean, obviously you're the president, but how else are you connected to Simply Home? And what do you see Simply Home in the next couple of years? What's your vision for it? Yeah, so I've been with Simply Home for almost 13 years now, and it has really morphed over that time in a lot of ways. And really thinking about how we got our start, I'll give you a little bit of background to hopefully make the connection to how we got into the utilization of technology, why we do what we do, uh, which is through the the lens and perspective of a service provider. So actually my parents founded the service provider that Simply Home grew out of starting back in the late 1980s. And so they have been involved in direct care for individuals with disabilities, individuals who are aging in a number of states across the country for over 30 years. And back in the early 2000s, my dad and his infinite wisdom thought to himself, you know, there has to be another way. There has to be a better way. The answers that we are commonly gravitating towards 
can't be the only way for the future. It's just not going to be sustainable. The growing level of need, the incapacity of caregivers that has been a problem for quite some time, decreases in funding, all of these challenges uh, really kind of led him to, to say, how could we do this differently? How could we do it better from a provider's perspective? But also, how can we, as you were describing, create new opportunities for independence for the individuals that we serve and recognizing that that's going to be different for every person. And so the idea was, could technology play a role and be a tool to create some different types of outcomes so that that provider organization could be more efficient and more effective at what they do, but also, again, create new opportunities for independence for the people that they serve. And that was in, again, the early 2000s, so 2003, 2004. And it was really at that stage, just searching for solutions that already existed. But if you think about the technology landscape in 2003 and four, people were still walking around with pagers. If you had a screen on your cell phone that had more than one color on it, you were pretty fancy. So a little bit different time than where we live today. And so it's not surprising to say that nothing existed to do the types of things that we wanted to do. And so the idea was maybe this is an opportunity. And so started looking for very specific challenges that they were facing as an organization and that individuals were facing or goals that they might have where technology could play a role. So everything that has been created from that time has been with a specific need in mind. So it is, here's Bob, he has this specific challenge. How can we overcome that with technology? Or as a provider organization, how can we support an individual in a different way without having to physically be in the home to do that? And you know that same idea has now really taken off in our current landscape of COVID, right? How can we engage with people, continue to provide a high level of care and support without having to always be physically in front of one to in front of someone to do that? So that's how we've we've kind of gotten to where we are. Obviously, that has, as I mentioned earlier, morphed dramatically over the last 15, 16 years, and really over the last five or six years, as technology has become even more and more ingrained into the daily lives of everyone, we've seen that really shift from something that is highly specialized in a lot of ways to trying to find ways to take advantage of all of these technologies that are now available that create a tremendous amount of impact in everyone's life, but ensuring that we can make that accessible for everyone who can benefit from it. So, you know, in terms of the future and the vision, you know, we really see where we are still on the forefront and very early stages of technology being really ingrained in a service model. Only about 16, 17 states across the country have reimbursement for this sort of technology built into their waiver system, as an example. But in 2021, we're going to we're actually seeing about half a dozen more states add that service in their Medicaid waiver system. And so we're, we're going to continue to see this grow and develop, uh, which is very exciting in terms of you know, where we see the future going and, and serving individuals in, in new and different ways. That is awesome and really exciting. I love the idea of more states using the 
using this to help with waiver systems. I know in Maryland, a lot of there's a lot more families who are doing self-directed, and there's talk about right. the funding for self-directed changing. And this is where I can see technology because it can be oftentimes maybe it's more cost of maybe it costs more on the front end, but then over time, when you look at what that ongoing cost is going to be, it's going to be less. So if you are using a waiver or you're, you're looking at building this into a waiver system, what types of concerns are you addressing? What are you using the technology? What problem are you using the technology to solve? You know, it's, it's really all over the board, as you might imagine. You know, a few things to think about with that are that, you know, as, as you were talking about funding and kind of the initial costs of technology, we typically see, you know, if you're looking at it purely in terms of like return on investment, that happens in a pretty short time frame. And when you think about the cost of technology being a lot less than people anticipate, it could be as little as a couple hundred dollars. We don't, it's pretty rare for us to see someone spend more than three, four, five thousand dollars in technology to create a solution in their home. So we often see that, you know, really pay for itself within a month or two as people are able to reallocate staff in different and unique ways. So, but in terms of the, you know, the types of concerns that are addressed, you know, if you look at the model that we have laid out here on the screen, uh, what you can hopefully see is that technology can really play a role throughout a home in a lot of different ways. So, you know, where we do have our focus as the name of our company implies is on technology in the home. So we don't do things in the community or on the job necessarily. But in terms of the types of concerns that we typically address, think about pretty much any type of concern or goal that someone may have that is currently being supported with in-person staff. So that could be making sure that someone takes the proper medications on time. It could be that you're concerned about someone having the fall, the fall during an overnight time or just needing some assistance in the overnight. It could be that you have wandering egress concerns. It could be that you're worried about cooking safety or simply just connecting with someone and, you know, having a wellness check. So, you know, there's all kinds of activities of daily living that can be supported with technology as well as safety concerns. Um, so this, the spectrum is pretty broad. We actually use and integrate with over 500 sensors and devices. So we get requests all the time. It's like, hey, why don't you just send me a, a list of, you know, products and prices? And it, it's not that simple. So, you know, just like any other service that someone is going to be receiving, you really have to address it from a person-centered perspective. So when people start thinking about technology, it's really easy to gravitate to the cool, shiny objects and there's a few issues with that. One being that that shiny object now becomes a solution in search of a problem, right? And it becomes a technology centric approach instead of a person centered approach. So what we do in our process is we want to sit down and understand what are the needs? What are the concerns? What are the goals? What is the living environment like? What are the supports available for that person? So that a customized specific technology solution can be recommended and implemented for that person. And the secondary part that is so crucial to that is the integration of that technology with the supports that that person receives. So again, one of the issues that we often see when people start thinking about technology is that it's something that 
is siloed. It sits over here. Oh, that's this is the assistive technology thing that's over here or the enabling technology thing that's over there. And it's not really integrated into that person's support system. And in order for this to be effective, whether it's a natural support, a paid support, it really does need to be integrated in with the system of support that person is receiving. You know, if you're trying to support someone's cooking safety or taking their medications on time and their technology can generate a notification that something hasn't happened like it's supposed to, but there's nobody to provide the support and response as a result of that, then that's obviously not very effective. So it really is about how those things can work together to create a similar outcome as if you were sitting right with a person or in their home, but without having to physically be there. And, and so to, to take all that in and repeat it back to check from my understanding, it's, it sounds like, well, let's use something that I think a lot of people are familiar with, Alexa, right? Everybody knows that you can yep. use Alexa to play music, but there's, mm-hmm. you know, you could also use Alexa to, hey, I've fallen, Alexa, call my son, right? I mean, that's, right. I mean, that would be an example. Right. I'm not saying it's an example of Simply Home, but I'm saying taking existing technology, repurposing yep. it instead of going out and buying a $10,000 system to speed dial your son. Exactly. That's a great point. And, you know, one of the things that we see being a great advantage to the different technologies that have come on the market, specifically in the last five or six years. So when you start thinking about things like smart thermostats, Alexas, and how ubiquitous that has really become in all of our lives, you know, we see that as a tremendous opportunity and in, in a lot of different ways, not just in forms of the breadth but also as you spoke to the affordability and those really simple solutions are oftentimes a great first step in helping someone to gain a level of independence and a level of confidence that they may not have had before to allow them to grow into other things. So as you described, people don't necessarily have to jump right to some huge, sophisticated, complex solution. And most technology solutions aren't all that sophisticated and complex, but it may seem that way when you start talking about all these sensors and devices in someone's home. But oftentimes the best way to kind of get someone going is taking that first step with something really simple. So it could be like you mentioned, an Alexa device, a ring doorbell. We were working with a family in Michigan where they were really trying to gain a level of understanding about how these technologies could work And they said, well, maybe we just need to start with an Alexa. And so they installed an Alexa in their son's room. And one of the big issues was they had an adult son who was kind of going through a time of transition of he was around 20 years old, was wanting to gain more independence, but they needed to help him gain the skills to do that. And that became a real point of conflict because dad was the person who was trying to engage and ensure that all of the things that his son needed to do were getting done. And, you know, the 20 year old son didn't always appreciate that as you might imagine. Uh, And so Alexa became that tool to help disconnect that from the father son relationship and allow that son to take on the things that he still needed to do to be successful in his day. But it was now Alexa giving him some prompts and cues to do those things. So he tells the story of the very first day, he put the Alexa in there and he set up 
at a certain time in the morning to remind his son that he needed to go take a shower. And he just sat down the hall and heard Alexa come on at that time, say, hey, don't forget it's time to take a shower. Son opens the door a few seconds later, walks down the hall, gets in the shower, and he's like, man, that's magic, right? And you're, you're talking about a $50 solution, which then can grow into other opportunities and ways that technology can be a part of their lives. And, and I love that example because it shows to me just how, how simple the solution really can be. Now, you know, we, we've covered the types of activities and we've addressed, you know, how it can help the individual. But what happens if, let's use medication because I can have a little more ramification if somebody doesn't take a med- their medication on, on time than if they skip a shower per day. So let's, let's say right. you have something set up to remind somebody to take their medications and they get prompted two times or, you know, for whatever a reasonable number of times is and they still don't take their medication. Is there anything, does, I mean, are you able to let caregivers, I'm imagining you can let caregivers know, because otherwise you know better than just leaving that person alone, right? Exactly, yep. And so you hit on something really important and that is, you know, again, that integration of supports and technology, right? They're not disconnected. And so, you know, when we start and, and, look at what are the areas in someone's life where we need to provide a type of support? What are the activities of daily living where there's a concern, a particular goal? In this instance, as you described, we're going to support someone's access to medication. So let's say I'm the person being supported. The way that that would work is that when it's time for me to take my medications, I'm going to get that prompt and reminder first. That doesn't always have to happen. You can notify someone immediately, but Oftentimes, we see that if we can prompt and engage that person directly as a first point of contact, we can do pretty well. We can be pretty successful in that kind of way, just like we described with taking the shower with the Alexa a second ago. So let's say it's nine o'clock. I need to take my medications at nine o'clock. My technology is now going to notify me in some way based on my abilities and my preferences. That could be I could get a phone call reminder Typically, we're going to have like a medication dispensing device involved that um, is going to be alarming, light flashing on it. There's a lot of different ways that that can happen. Uh, So now that I know it's time for me to take my medications, now the technology is going to now look for me to go and actually do that, look for me to access that medication. As long as I do, nothing else happens with the technology. But to your point, let's say 30 minutes go by and I haven't done that. I could now have some kind of secondary reminder. Again, I could now get a phone call. I could get a text message, some other kind of way to engage with me to give me that secondary reminder. And or my support team could now get a notification. So let's say that 30 minutes goes by, I haven't accessed my meds. Now my support team could get a phone call, could get a text message, could get an email, those kinds of things so that they can now engage with that support in real time instead of showing up the following day or maybe that evening and realizing that Jason didn't take his medications this morning or last night or whatever the case may be. So that, again, that support can happen in real time. Uh, And secondary to that is that we do collect that information as well. So when you think about the collection of information to look at patterns and trends in behavior, that's often as important. So even though if I take my medications on time, nothing else happens in terms of alerts or reminders. Again, we want to collect that so we can show how successful I'm being 
in achieving whatever that goal or outcome may be. So if we need to, when it's time for my annual ISP review, we can sit down and say, you know what, Jason, your goal for this last year was to take your medications 95% on time. And we can now run a quick report and pull that up and show, hey, you did a fantastic job. You were 98% on time or 100% on time. Or conversely, maybe I was only 70% on time. And the value that you get out of that is really also helping to understand how technology needs to evolve and change over time. When we think about technology, it's something that has to evolve, right? It's not a set it and forget it kind of thing because people change, right? People gain additional skills or they may be in a position where their skills are diminishing, right? And technology needs to adapt and change with that over time as well. If you have reliable, accurate, timely information, you can make those adaptations and customizations over time based on what the technology is telling you. Awesome. And, and where my brain goes with this, Jason, because I'm big on, on helping families find ways for their loved ones or the individuals themselves to become more independent, I start thinking about well, what if the individual is living at home but wants to transition to an apartment? This is a great way to scaffold those skills, right? Or what if what if it's just something as simple as maybe somebody's, you know, has diabetes and they have to remember to take insulin at certain times, right? But they're going to college, yeah. right? And and they yeah. it's easy to get caught up in studying or whatever and lose track of time without mom coming up knocking on your door, "Hey, it's time to take your meds." But if you go to college, yep. it's easy to forget that. And you can have this simple reminder, not mom checking in with you, to your point earlier. Yep. I mean, that's where my brain goes with all of these. It's so transferable. And it's also, yep. it's not in your face. Like having a full-time staff right. is kind of, it, it, it's very apparent you have somebody helping you, right? So right. exactly. Yep. I love it. I think this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that that's a, that's a great point because... You know, there there's oftentimes a concern about technology, and rightfully so. You know, technology applied in an inappropriate way is not good either. And so understanding kind of what some of those boundaries are is important. And, you know, I think that, you know, as we look at uh, technology utilization in different ways, as you were kind of talking about the ability to start with technology, even in your own home, and then create opportunities for people to transition based off of that. We see that all the time. And, you know, starting with some really simple things that we've already described is typically the first step in that kind of process. And, and we see people build additional technologies in an existing environment and then take those technologies with them to help them be successful, whether they're going to college, moving to their own apartment, whatever the case may be. And they don't have to wait till the child's an adult, right? I mean, this is something... Sure. Let's use your example about reminding somebody to take a shower. That's something you could mm -hmm. start at 10, 11, 12 years old, right? You know, it doesn't Absolutely. have to yeah. wait till they're 21, 22, mm -hmm. 30, 40 years old. Right. And, and I think another important point with that is starting with a recognition of the role that technology plays in all of our lives, right? And, you know, I think that's valuable for all of us to consider as well is, we all use our phones. We all use our iPads, our computers, whatever, to give us reminders to be at a meeting on time and to help us navigate to 
you know, a place across town we've never been before or whatever the case may be. And so it's natural, right? And so ways that we can really take a similar approach to the way that all of us use technology, it may look a little bit different depending on that person's abilities and, and preferences, but that's the case for everyone. And so I, I think that, you know, kind of decoupling this fact of, oh, this is, you know, a support system just because someone has a particular need. There's also recognition that technology plays a huge role in all of our lives to help us be successful. And so let's, let's build upon that, right? Absolutely. And then it becomes less of a stigma. The individual with disability Mm -hmm. is more likely to use it. The example I'm going to give you, it's not something at home per se or at all, but it's something that I found incredibly helpful. My son advocated, my son has disabilities and he advocated that he wanted Mm -hmm. to take public transportation. So, you know, great. You're, you know, he mapped, he figured out which way he wanted to go and all of that. But I didn't want him standing out by using a punch card or something, right? So he's very Mm -hmm. comfortable with his iPhone. So Mm -hmm. I just downloaded the app that everybody else uses onto his phone and he just shows it. And it nobody needs to know that he's got a disability. You know, he can go on the bus and we all stay to ourselves when we're on the bus. We're not chatty catties talking back and forth. So if he sits by himself on the bus, that's not abnormal. And it gives him the ability to fit in better, you know? And I feel like this is the yep. same thing. If you have guests over, they see an Alexa, you know, let's say you have monitors on your windows that could pass for a simply safe alarm system. Nobody's going to think twice about it. Right. I mean, exactly. Yep. And because again, going back to the idea of technology becoming so ubiquitous, I mean, and you know, there's a great quote that we talk about frequently and the place where I've seen it attributed to is actually an IBM employee manual from the 1990s. So this isn't something I came up with, but you know, the quote is that, you know, for someone without a disability, technology makes life easier, but for someone with a disability, technology makes things possible. Right. And so again, recognizing that that role that technology plays in all of our lives, it it's, going to have a different level of impact, right? For your son, that, you know, is a beautiful thing, right? It, it normalizes his experience and it's the same tool that everyone else is using, which is amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to go back to what you originally told when we, when we led with this, you know, I t- I'm, I've been taking notes and you said, you know, generally speaking, a, you know, a lot of the technology may run between three to 5,000. It's not going to be at any rate, it's not going to be as expensive. I mean, I'll tell you, when, when I think of outfitting a house with technology, my brain goes to, oh, it's got to be, uh, you know, five digits, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, right? That's just where my brain goes. So I really appreciate you, you making the time, giving these examples, helping us get some ideas of what we could do in our own house. And, and more importantly, if we didn't list a solution that you think you might need, those of you that are watching reach out to Simply Home. I mean, the, the, I have the in, how to get in touch here on the, you know, on the screen. Reach out. If, if we didn't describe your situation, don't take that to mean, oh, they couldn't help us. Take it to mean there are so many, as Jason said earlier in the presentation, there are so many ways that we can help people, that, that Simply Home can help people. We can't list them all. This thing would be days of a, of a discussion. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, joke all the time that, you know, 
I'll, I'll talk forever about the types of things that we do. I mean, the, some of the stories we get to tell about the impact that technology can have in people's lives, they're amazing. And, you know, it's, it's why we do what we do. But again, because we take that person-centered approach and because there are so many technologies that are possible, to your point, it's, it's, it would, we'd be here forever, you know, trying to talk about all the possible solutions. But I would encourage people to, you know, go to our YouTube channel specifically. We have a ton of different videos on there of, you know, different stories, different ways that technology can play a role. And, you know, recognizing that technology doesn't have to be, as you were, were talking about, some big, you know, expensive solution. It can be really small, especially to start. And that's oftentimes what we recommend for people. And, you know, there is a whole community of technology vendors and, you know, other groups within this space where we also collaborate. So there are also a lot of things we don't do, but we know a lot of other resources that do exist. So it happens almost every day where somebody has a particular type of need or they're looking for something specifically met out offer, or maybe they're looking for, you know, something to help them on the job or helping to navigate in the community or whatever the case may be. And we try and also be a connector and a resource in those situations. So that if, even if it's something we don't have, hopefully we can help steer people in a direction to other resources that could be a benefit. So again, I would encourage people to reach out. You know, we do free assessments. So if you just want to, you know, get some information, see how the process works, understand the role that in, that uh, technology could play in the life, your life, someone that you love or care for his life, you know, we encourage you to reach out, find more information on our website, YouTube channel, or just give us a call. Awesome. And I'm going to have all of these linked in the description of this video. So you don't have to try to copy this off the screen. It'll be in the description next to the video. You can click it. It'll take you right to it. Jason, thank you again very much for your the gift of your time and sharing everything about Simply Home. I'm excited. I'm, I'm definitely sure more viewers out there are going to be just as excited as I am to learn what you're doing and, and find out more. Well, thanks for having us, Eric. It was, it was a pleasure uh, and an honor to get to share a little bit about our history and what we do. Yeah, thank you for all that you do as well. Thank you for listening to the ABCs of Disability Planning Podcast. We invite your feedback and comments. Please feel free to leave a review wherever you are listening. And don't forget to hit like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you would like to connect, please email me, eric at specialneedsnavigator.us. If you'd like to learn more about or talk with a guest, please reference the show notes to find the best way to reach them.